0: Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There is simply no way to turn the demands of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount into a series of rules or a series of laws or anything else that will allow us to feel justified in our own actions. In Jesus' mind, there's simply nothing that can serve as a substitute for righteousness or right relation with God and neighbor. It's amazing how creative we can be at managing to make all kinds of things that are basically good into ways that we can avoid real encounter or real relationship. Perhaps you know someone who always has to talk about something that interests them and the subject might in fact be very interesting but they go on and on and on and we call them boring and what they're doing is is putting this subject in which they're interested between us and them so that there actually doesn't have to be a real relationship. Or perhaps you know someone who can only talk from a position of power or authority, can only talk to you as a teacher, or maybe you know a boss who will talk to you about what's going on at work in all kinds of ways and forever and make you feel very privileged but actually never listen to your concerns. And so that good thing uh, gets put in the way between uh, you and and the boss, and and it becomes a substitute for relationship. Jesus told the rich young man this when he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, follow the commandments. And he said, I've done all that. I've kept them. In fact, I've been so busy keeping them that I'm now worried about what else I can do to be righteous. And Jesus says, well, sell all you have and try real relationship. Try putting aside those things that have become a substitute. Engaging the other can be really hard work, but it's the way to real blessing." And that's why we say that the heart of who we are as a parish is to be a worshipping community who grow in faith through engaging or by engaging with God and our neighbor. It's conscious, it's hard spiritual work. We remember two weeks ago uh, how difficult it is to do justice and how justice is founded in relationship. And last week Elizabeth talked to us about forgiveness and how difficult it is to forgive and be forgiven and how important it is that we do that i said to her afterwards i said i hated that sermon it was what jesus said you know it was was, this is not easy stuff and this week our attention is directed toward right relationship with those who would bully us or put us down or denigrate us or in some way otherwise do us harm And Jesus recalls the ancient law. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, that law was originally a good and graceful and wonderful thing because it was a liberal law. It said you may only take an eye for an eye, and you've got to stop this business of wiping out an entire family for a small offense. He said that the punishment should fit the offense. But it's become, this law has become, an opportunity for revenge. Oh, good, I get to take your eye. And he says... I say to you, love your neighbor. Watch over those who persecute you. The law is neither an excuse for vengeance nor battle. Do not resist evil doers by doing evil to them. Instead, says Jesus, engage your neighbors, and by your actions show up theirs for what theirs are. And so he goes on to this business of walk the extra mile and turn the other cheek. And I'm persuaded, by reading this part of Jesus' sermon, that sees him as offering a way of non-violent engagement but still engagement with those who would do us harm you see he says if someone strikes you on the right cheek what's that about why does he specify the right cheek and the answer is if you're right handed and you're striking someone on the right cheek you're backhanding them and you backhand an inferior and Jesus says turn the other cheek which leaves the person hitting you with a problem because either he's going to have to hit you as an equal or back off Uh, And so turning the other cheek is a way of standing up for your own dignity without repaying violence with violence. Same thing happened with this business of give your cloak. If you were in debt, and many of the poor were in debt and in debtors' courts, uh, and and it was harder and harder and harder to get out of debt, it was like a vicious cycle. The the one who held the debt could, could take your coat for the day, had to give it back at night, but could take your coat for the day and you were, in effect, shamed. And Jesus says, take your coat, give him everything. Give him your shirt. Give him more. And, 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 and let, let him worry about what he's holding on to, or her, usually him. It's, it's a way of retaining your dignity when the system is trying to take it away. Or this business of walk the extra mile. Walk the extra mile, a Roman soldier could conscript you to carry his pack just like he constricted Simon of Cyrene to carry the crossbar of Jesus just at any moment and could constrict you by custom and law to walk for a mile. And Jesus says, well, go on, walk a second mile and see where that leaves the soldier, either in violation of the law or at least slightly embarrassed, uh, at least remembering that you're a human being with choice and not, not an object that can be ordered around. Jesus says, do not repay violence with violence, but stand up for yourself. This is not... Uh, an excuse for being pusillanimous. This is not... That's a great word, by the way. This is not... I had to get it in. That's... (laughs) This is not uh, a justification for violence in the home. Sometimes relationships become so toxic that you have to break them. And if you are being abused at home, you have to leave. This is not a requirement that you stay. It's not turn the other cheek and put up with persecution. It is a requirement that you claim your God-given dignity even when someone is out to get you. Stay connected and find creative ways, creative ways to claim your dignity in that relationship. You may not hate your enemies. You must love them and pray for those who persecute you. The Beatitudes, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We cannot say too clearly this is not a commandment to grin and bear it. It is once again placing before us the demands of costly relationship of the kind that we see in Jesus as God reaches out for us over and over and over. Now we know there may be times when we have to forego relationships, when we have to get out. But on the whole, the more compelling requirement is to community. It's to connection. It's to engagement where we find our identity and meaning and belonging to the people of God, however challenging the relationships can be within that community. And so we hear the gleaning laws from Leviticus. I love this part of Leviticus. Save a piece of your field or your vineyard. Remember the poor or the alien or those who have nothing or the wayfarer or the stranger and provide for them. And when you're in community with others, don't bilk people out of their wages. Pay them what they earned. And don't gossip, slander behind their back. But if you must give reproof to a neighbor, do it to their face. Love as you would be loved. There's really no reason to hold a grudge. Do what you need to do for the good of the whole community. These are not rules by which we can justify ourselves, but demands we strive for that righteousness, that justification that flows only from God's grace. I've been thinking in this regard, as many of us have, about the people of Egypt in recent days and how the protesters and the military, for the most part, have shown extraordinary restraint in their efforts, mostly successful efforts thus far, to avoid violence. And they've engaged in a way that has brought about the possibility of real change for the better. But now they have the relational work to do, and it's hard work sorting out of how they will be in community with each other as they move into the future. And there'll doubtless be groups in that country jockeying for position and control over against their consideration for the good of the whole. And there will be compromises that have to be made in developing a common constitution and understanding uh, of what the common good is. But I have no doubt that the path from here to wherever they're going is going to be really hard as they sort out how they can be together, not only in what they're against, but in what they're for, how their vision for community is going to allow them, even through difference, to stay connected one to another. And the same goes for us in our most challenging relationships. It's all too easy to afford power to those who would degrade us by by giving them lots of mental space and imagining that moment of sweet revenge when we will be able to see them get their comeuppance. Or thinking up ways in which we will punish those who have betrayed us. I'll take that eye for an eye. Thank you very much. Or perhaps taking our rage at the way we're being treated and turning it inward and winding up totally depressed that's another way in which we give those who would degrade us power and instead jesus says find ways of connection that show the behavior for the other for what it is so that they can do the work they must do in allowing god to transform them just as we must allow god to reshape us to be more fully the people we were created to be people with inherent dignity because we are beloved of god and created love we will not be afforded our own dignity in those relationships unless we find ways creative imaginative ways to turn the other cheek or to go the extra mile that's where we will find our own growth in faith and our capacity to put our trust in god's love for you says leviticus shall love your neighbor as yourself and you says jesus costly demanding engaged relationship even when the person is putting us down or degrading us you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect i offer this in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit